Our New Testament reading today is from Romans chapter 6, and this is the text for today's message. Paul writes, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this sermon today is the epistle reading, which Pastor Elliot read for us a few minutes ago, from Romans chapter 6. And if you've been following along in our sermon series, have we've taken a look at portions of Romans, or if you've ever read all the way through Romans from beginning to end, you'll know that, that chapter 6 is a turning point in Paul's argument. That Paul has been laying out the problem that we are put in under sin and condemned by the law. And yet, then Paul lays out the, the great solution that God has given for us in Jesus. That by the, the right promise of Jesus, the Savior, he would die and rise again. And that by trusting in this promise, we are made right with God. That we are brought into this right relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. And all because of what Jesus has done. And none of it was our work. Then Paul takes a turn. That, that if you've been following along with him so far, you might begin to think, well, if this is all true... What does that mean for how I'm going to live? That, that if it's true, that no matter how many bad things I've done, Jesus has forgiven all of them, that I've been made right with God, completely fine, brought into the right relationship with God, and it was, had nothing to do with how many bad things I've done. It's all been forgiven. But then what does that mean for the future? Does that mean I can keep doing wrong things? That if I keep sinning, God will keep forgiving? That sounds pretty nice. But Paul makes a turn to, to explain that, that our relationship to sin 
is not simply the mistakes that we've made. That our problem before believing in God was not simply that we were doing the wrong things, but that we were ruled by sin. Uh, Paul uses three different big uh, metaphors. That, that slave is a ruler, that's, that sin is a slave master, and, and that sin bears the fruit, uh, it produces only death. So that if we are set free from all of that, if we are rescued and redeemed from the rule of sin, how then ought we to live? That's what Paul answers, is Paul is describing in this uh, lesson in Romans chapter 6. Of how should we live? How should we live knowing that we've been set free from sin, that we've been forgiven all of our, the things we've done wrong? But, but Paul paints it as this picture that, that sin is a, a ruler, sin is a, a slave master, and sin produces death. But the good news is, is that Jesus has set us free for life. That Jesus has set us free. Because when we look at our lives, when you look back, as Paul begins to describe this situation, it says that, that you were once slaves to sin, that, that sin once ruled over you, and it forced you to obey your passions. And it forced you to obey your desires of your heart, that, that, that you were forced to obey those things. And that, that seems a little outside of the box, a little abstract. So I have a video that, that might help us see what it looks like to, to obey our desires, to obey our passions. So let's watch this short video. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. I'm gonna go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. It smells really good. It's up to you. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay.
right, so I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait, either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> so the, the marshmallow is placed before us, but but nobody ever had to, to teach us uh, to be selfish. Nobody ever had to, to teach us to be, to be greedy or, or jealous or, or to, to be tempted by anger or lust. No, the, the temptation is always before us. And wouldn't it be so nice when, when the marshmallow is just right there and you, just, you can smell it and, and lift it up. And, and yet, the, these desires... These passions, no matter uh, um, how much willpower we have, are already inside us. That we would want to take those marshmallows and just stuff them in our mouths. And so you, you find that, that, that what Paul said is, is, is quite true. That, that what is inside of us is already there roiling and boiling with, with passions and evil desires and yet, when you're under the, the rule of sin, everything that is contrary to God, well, then you're forced to obey those things. Now, there's, there's several solutions, possible solutions, and some of them uh, you know, are, are very common. And even if you're not a believer, uh, the, the virtue of self-control and willpower, of, of the ability to, to delay your gratification for later, to wait for, you know, two marshmallows, uh, is seen as a good thing. And so even these possible solutions show up even outside of the Christian faith. These solutions to these temptations, to these desires that, that only produce more broken relationships and suffering. Uh, the, the first one is uh, a hyper-moralistic uh, view. That, that if the problem is marshmallows, we'll make sure that no one's ever tempted by marshmallows again. We'll, we'll get rid of them. We'll ban them. We'll get, you know, we'll, the, we'll get rid of pictures of marshmallows, even anything that's white and fluffy. You can't look at it. That way you're no longer tempted by that desire. And, and then, so that's uh, the hyper-moralistic uh, view that, that ends up in, in legalism. And, and then on the other hand would be just complete apathy. That Well, listen, we have these desires. We can't do anything to stop that. So why bother fighting it? If you see a marshmallow, you want to eat it, just go ahead. So both of these things, whether it's a hyper-moralistic uh, legalism uh, view or if it's just complete apathy and giving up to, to resisting at all, you know, the, the most extreme form would go all the way out to the end and into this uh, form of asceticism where, where you fast and you punish yourself when you're afflicted by these desires in, in a way that, that maybe you'll be able to beat the desires out of yourself or to go all the way into complete hedonism of just maximizing whatever desire and satisfying whatever you want over here. Both of these show the point that you're still ruled by the desires, that you're still forced 
to obey them. Whether you set up this legalistic way of trying to remove all temptation or if you just give up and give in to everything, both of these don't solve the the root problem in your heart that you are forced to obey these evil desires and passions, that they rule over you, that they they, uh, uh, guide and direct everything in your life, and oh, what it would be to finally be set free from that. To no longer have to to cater to the whim of of these desires, to no longer be affected by that temptation, the the temptation and behaviors that that only lead to more brokenness and, and emptiness and shame. Now, if that's true, that, that, uh, that although we have been, uh, sorry, now it is true that, that you have been set free from that rule in Jesus, that, that Jesus by his death and life, by being united with him, you are set free from that, that, that you are free from this rule of sin and passions and evil desires in your life. But if it is true, now, that's how the world works. Either you, you live according to, to God and everything that he's freed you to do, or you live under the, the reign of sin, under this king who cares nothing but it, for his citizens, to, but to work them to death. Well, then that changes how we view people outside of our church, doesn't it? Wouldn't that change how we view people who don't believe? Wouldn't it, when you see, turn on the news, when you open Facebook or anything online and you see uh, the world going after all of its desires, well, then it wouldn't be this. It wouldn't be discussed. It wouldn't be discussed in how bad the world has gotten because it would be compassion. Compassion for a people who are ruled uh, by sin, ruled by their desires. It would be the same compassion that that Jesus would show for our world. That though we all were once under the rule of sin, under under the rule of our desires and our passions, and yet Jesus showed his compassion for us. Not because he needed more people on his side or, or that he needed to fill the ranks of a heavenly choir, but God sought, showed his compassion on us by sending Jesus to rescue you from the rule of sin, from the rule of desires in your life. So our compassion would be to show, or our, uh, our goal would be to show that same compassion to the world. That sh- same compassion that, that God would so graciously show to us, to show it to them as well. That although they're, they're caught under the rule of desire and caught under the rule of passions, that the freedom is there for them too. The freedom in Jesus is freely offered for them too. So that ends... Uh, Paul's uh, talk of uh, slavery, uh, of sin as a, a ruler, as a, uh, a king almost. And then he moves on to this uh, next image, that, that sin, is a, sin is a slave master. And although slavery w- was different back then, uh, and we have a much uh, different view of, of, Amer- of American slavery, it is still good that we have such uh, a negative view, especially when we think of, the, uh, of our sin. Because, uh, because we have such a, it's common in America now, that we have such a negative view of, of sin, uh, of slavery, well, doesn't that drive home the point much more that, that you wouldn't go and offer yourself to be a slave of sin, 
That, that if you had been set free in Jesus, you wouldn't go back to, to the desires and to sin and say, here, I'll be your slave. No, to, to, to view slavery so negatively is so great because you wouldn't go back and offer yourself to become a slave again. You wouldn't, if you were set free, you wouldn't return to that. That, uh, but that also that gives us the reason for, for why one more sin isn't okay. For why it's not okay to say, well, just one time I can do this and, and then never again. No, Paul says, do not present yourself as a slave again. Now that you have been set free, don't go back. Don't go back to that ruler, to that master. Then Paul, in his letter, he lays out that, that we're not slaves to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness. That's a little bit harder for us to, to wrap our minds around. And, and even Paul admits that, oh, okay, every metaphor falls down at, at some point. And so to, to, if you uh, uh, are, are not uh, willing to consider yourself a slave to righteousness, uh, that's why it, it's helpful we have that past metaphor that, that God has brought you out of the kingdom of slavery and, and into his kingdom. But what would that mean if that's true, to be a slave of righteousness? Well, one thing that means is that if you are a slave to Jesus, if you're a slave to righteousness, that means that you, can't, that you don't have the power to change that relationship. Sure, you could run away from the master and have nothing to do with him ever again, but you don't have the power to change that relationship. And what I mean is that this, is that that forgiveness that was offered to you because of Jesus, that forgiveness that was, that was given to you in your baptism, the same forgiveness that's given to you every day, uh, uh, every time you come for, for the body and blood of Jesus, that same forgiveness is given to you again and again. There's nothing you can do that's going to ruin your relationship with God. That he is more than willing to offer forgiveness again and again. To be a slave to righteousness means that, that when you, uh, if you're ever afflict, uh, afflicted, by guilt over a past wrong or, or, or guilt over anything in your past, you can tell that guilt, well, no, I am a slave of righteousness. I belong to Jesus. And that he forgives me again and again. With that in temptation, when sin comes to, to tempt you back to obeying your evil desires and your passions again, you can say, well, no, I'm a slave to Jesus. I belong to him. I cannot obey you. No, if you're a slave to righteousness, the relationship is set. Although it's not uh, one of abuse or of oppression, but of love and compassion that Jesus would make one of you, that Jesus would make each one of us his own. The second thing is that if, it's, if we are slaves to righteousness, that means that we don't get to make the rules for how this is going to work. And that brings uh, Paul to his, his next point here uh, about fruit. Uh, in, in the last few verses of, of, of Romans chapter 6, he says, now listen, when you were a slave to sin, you didn't have to worry about righteousness. You didn't have to worry about doing the right thing at all. But what did that produce? Only death brokenness and uh, emptiness. But to be a, a slave to righteousness, well, what does that produce? 
to, to follow Jesus, to present yourself to God as his own, having been made his own by his love through his compassion in the waters of your baptism, continually offered that forgiveness. Well, then what does that produce in our lives? Practically speaking, it looks like being a better friend, being a better mom, a better dad, a better neighbor, a better coworker or employer or employee. It means having more patience, more compassion, more understanding for those uh, in our lives. That if you're willing to, to present yourself to God, to offer yourself up to him, to, to obey what he'll have you do, well then he'll give you something to do. He'll put people in your life for you to love. Chances are there's already people in your life of where you work or where you love or where you live, whether they're easy to love or not, to present yourself to God, to, to bear the fruit of the righteousness for what it produces. Well, God will put people in your life, whether it's a spouse, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, or a son or daughter, for you to show them the same compassion God showed to you, to offer them forgiveness. To, to show them the love that, that, that you have been set free for life. Because in this life of following after God, it's easy to look back on your life and see that, well, it seems that, that sin, that, that, that passion and evil desires are still ruling over my life. It's easy when you look back to see that sin still has dominion over your life, but when you look at Jesus, you are free completely free and free forever. Because when you, when you look back at your life, it looks like death is still going to have the final say. When you look at Jesus, you have eternal life. When you look at your life, you might look back and say, well, I haven't produced much of anything uh, as far as righteousness or something for God. But when you look, in look, look to Jesus where you are completely free for, for life, God is continually working in you, continually making you, uh, shaping you and molding you to make you more loving, more compassionate, more patient, to have more self-control. And, and, and he'll continue to, to work on you up until that day when either Jesus returns or he calls you home. That is the kind of God we have, to set us free for life. Until that day, the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.